Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Well, we coming to you from the NBC News studios <laughs> there. That was, uh, that's phenomenal. I think we're venturing into journalism a little bit more, Bryce, aren't we? Very dramatic opening, wasn't it? It just oh, really man. set the scene for your Saturday morning. How yeah, good. I felt like we were reporting on some terrorist action going on in the, in the Middle East or something. But hey, so good to be with you. Welcome along to your Saturday. It's... Uh, Gee whiz, I can feel it. You know, the footy season is just around the corner. The weather is overcast. It's that vibe of you're going to start taking your kids to footy and netball all around the city. And uh, a lot going on, positive and negative, depending on the way you look at it, um, particularly the cricket. It feels like Australia's worst fears are unfolding in India, but I can't help wondering if we've shot ourselves in the foot at the selection table, Bryce. Ooh, I tell you, <laughs> there's a lot of angry people with uh, yeah. the dropping of our very own Travis Head. Well, makes no sense. And what is he, the number four batsman in the world? Yeah. And when you're two for two, early in your, your innings, you just sometimes question what is going on? Who is making these decisions? It's crazy. Too much flux in the team. Like they already lost a couple of guys to injury, uh, Mitchell Stark and um, obviously Cameron Green. But Head is averaging about 80-plus over the last five tests he's played. I, I cannot fathom why you'd pull a bloke like that out of the team. And then his replacement, uh, Renshaw, got a golden duck. So that really doesn't sit well with a lot of Australian cricket fans. A lot to get through in today's show, Bryce. But how are you going? What's going on in your, your life? Are you getting a good balance between your bloody football duties and Coming in here? Yeah, it's it's all starting to get quite busy, actually, Tommy. Uh, yeah. Obviously, been filling in for uh, for the brekkie show, Summer Brekkie, and uh, that wound up this week. So early mornings, I, I get my sleep-ins back a little bit, which yeah. is which is nice. But uh, yeah, in terms of of work, yeah, the Panthers uh, working at the club, everything's starting to to crank up. All the development squads and and junior programs are, are starting to get organised, and will get underway in the next month or two. Uh, obviously training starting to ramp up like all the, the AFL clubs are, are playing a lot of match sim and mm. we've got some pracky matches coming up in the next couple of weeks, something to look forward to as well. And, and uh, just back to be, a wrap to be back on the air on Saturday mornings with you, mate. So yeah, it's all happening. Real stuff begins. I guess I'm wrapped as well, although my week is being derailed uh, at times by my four-year-old. You know, they get to that age when they just love to watch the world burn, as the, the joker would say. And... Um, my little one, Donnie, he's just on fire at the moment. He Last week, uh, or sorry, a couple of weeks ago, we went out to a field to uh, go play on a playground and I had taken a laxative. <laughs> <laughs> sorry? <laughs> the things uh, weren't going well there. And uh, so we're at this field and there's one of those, um, you know, those public toilets that have the robotic sounds and all the buttons to push and open and shut them. And Donnie's come in there with me 
and he's hit uh, open on it while I'm sitting down there and exposed me to an entire community of uh, club cricketers. Oh. Everyone looking right in on me. And then he's done it again. My sister's taken him to the museum <laughs> and uh, she's popped in there and he has uh, done it again, opened the door while she's uh, quickly running in there. And she said, Donnie, close the door. And he said, no, I don't want to close it. And then people who have come to the museum in the foyer, they've come to the museum to learn about history and uh, they've gotten more than they've bargained for. That's uh Getting a bit of extra on their uh, on their ticket, Tommy. Yeah, so that, that's what I'm dealing with now, and it's uh, that's why today's a good escape. But plenty coming up in the show, mate. Um, how the Port and Crows are lists are positioned, we've done a deep dive into this, and it's actually fascinating to look at because I, I saw a few things that I didn't realise, but depth-wise, we're talking about, and they're you know they say the best sides win premierships with about twenty-five to thirty players. So we're going to see exactly how both sides sit: uh, forward, mid, back, all of it. Yeah, and we we encourage everyone to jump on the text line: oh four two seven one five four one double six. As you said, we're talking about the Crows and Ports depth. So where what positions uh, are both teams really strong in and if they were to get a couple of injuries that they would be able to cover quite easily but some other areas of of the team if they were to get some injuries they might not be able to cover um so send through your thoughts uh we'll go into a bit more detail a bit later in the show but um yeah we'll we'll go through and, and just see how much depth both sides have uh, leading into 2023 yeah and there's a few surprises there i i had a close look at port and where I thought they were lacking and there's a there's a perception versus reality where I thought they were lacking they actually have a few they've got a few young ones who are going to come up in those spots and there was actually other spaces that I saw that they're uh, going a little bit thin but we're going to find out all about that a little bit later in the show we're also going to talk to Chad Sayers I know he's a passionate man about uh, all things Australian cricket particularly Travis Head um I, re- I read a tweet which involved some swear words, I think, about Travis Head's dropping. So we're going to check in with him and get his thoughts on what's going on in India. Yeah, well, he wasn't the only one that uh, showed his frustration via social media about Travis Head. He's obviously all across it. He's one of SEN's own, mm. uh, um, speaks very well on the airwaves about the cricket. So uh, looking forward to chatting to him and just seeing how he thinks the Aussies are going. Obviously off to a bit of a slow start in our first innings, but... Uh, hopefully we can bowl them out today really quickly and then put a, a big score on uh, in our second innings, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, it's not looking, any way you look at it, not looking likely that we could win the match. Hopefully we can uh, possibly get a draw. But Todd Murphy, did you catch any of his bowling, Bryce? What a, what a, what a debut. Um, <laughs> what a debut. He's got that uh, a bit of that magic about him. You know, Nathan Lyon is going to be an all-time great and he's a fantastic bowler. But uh, just watching Todd Murphy, he's got a bit of that woozy-wazzy magic, you know, the flight, the ball darts down in the flight. He's got a bit of that baffling magic about him, don't you reckon? He's going to be uh, a crowd favourite. And it's just the the glasses, I think. Yeah. Like just iconic. It'll just, if he keeps it's taking a contradiction. wickets like he, he, like he will... Uh, he's going to be a fan favourite. There's no doubt about that. But um, he's, if we didn't have him, geez, if he didn't debut in this test, we might be in a, a lot more yeah. hurt at this point in time in the test match. That's one thing that's gone well. The glass, he's certainly going to be inadvertent commas, as Fox Sports will always say, a cult figure. <laughs> cult figure and that will be after. because he wears glasses and that is nerdy. Um, <laughs> you got bowled out by a nerd. 
uh, Bruce McAvaney during the week, man, he was inducted into the AFL lifetime membership um, list with uh, Trent Koch and a whole bunch of others. And it's obviously rightly awarded to him because he, I mean, so many iconic moments through my childhood and I'm sure yours as well, Gibber, that I, I just wish he could come back for a little bit of time in the AFL again. I was surprised it's actually taken this long, to be honest, yeah. to, for him to get inducted into the AFL Hall of Fame. Um, but he's in there now, so yeah. it was always going to be inevitable. But uh, obviously great for him. And, and you're right, you, you, there's so many memories you have as a child watching sport on TV and listening to him call it, whether it be the footy, whether it be the Olympics, um, whatever it may be, the horse racing, the, he's just, he's been so, um, he's given us a lot of memories over a wide range of sports. And uh, it's a, another one we want to throw to you guys on the text line as well, 0427 154 your, your favourite commentator of all time. Because I think he mm. said uh, in his speech as well that one of his fondest memories and proudest moments was actually calling sport with Dennis, Dennis. Kennedy, who is arguably you know, one of the That's greatest um, commentators to sit beside him as well. So it's uh, it's funny how he's uh, he mentioned that uh, as well. So who is your favourite commentator yeah. of all time? Yeah, well, they were. He loved the team environment, and he would always say the producer was the boss. Um, similar to the situation we've got going on here, where we will just do exactly what Jace tells us because he knows best and he knows the rules around this joint. And we uh, haven't been across actually the HR stuff about what we can and can't say with a few things. So we always listen to Jace. And Bruce loved uh, the teamwork, particularly with Dennis. There was a story about how they would, if one of them was calling and another one knew a piece of information or a stat, he would simply write it down on a piece of paper and pass it over to him. And uh, they would just compliment each other a little bit like you and me, Bryce. It's just uh, genuine respect for uh, a couple of goats, isn't it? Yeah, Between, yeah, exactly uh, the same. Two as... of the best. So, yeah, you love hearing stories like that. And, and it doesn't surprise you. And, like, I've met – I've been lucky enough to meet Bruce a handful of times. Yeah. He's obviously a South Australian. Yeah. Um, I think he used to live down on the Esplanade, down at Summerton yes. Park there in a big uh, big mansion. But, uh, yeah, always, you know, run into him uh, at the airport, travelling between footy matches or, or seeing him in Adelaide. And he'd always give you, you know, five, ten minutes, have a chat, um, ask about your family. Mm. Um, he was always a gentleman and, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's been certainly one of my favourites over the journey, that's for sure. Absolutely. One way I think about it, there are so many moments and we're going to get to these. We're going to go through our favourite moments uh, throughout Bruce's career. Uh, they just give you tingles. You know it's good when the hairs on your arms stand up and I was having a look back through all of these and ooh, I had tingles all over Bryce looking back at Bruce. And I'm sure Bruce had a few tingles as well when he was calling Cyril, that's for sure. He, he leant on a few words like special and... Um, yeah, special. Jeez, didn't he love Cyril? He loved, loved, Cyril. loved, loved Cyril. Um, we're we're going to take a look at, of course, Kathy at the Olympics as well. That was an iconic call. But yeah, oh four two seven one five four one double six. We would love to know uh, your favourite commentators over the journey of all time. Favourite commentators going around right now. Let us know. Um, coming up next, Bryce, we've got producer Jace is coming in the studio. I haven't heard any of this at all, uh, and I know he's a little bit off the rails at times, so he's bringing a s song in. He's stepping into... Uh, hang on, hang on. You haven't put a song together this week. No. But, you, but you're telling me producer Jace 
Producer Jace is stepping into new territory here. You're kidding. He's uh, stepping into my territory, but it's actually good because he's uh, relieved me for the week. So I'm looking forward to hearing what it is he's actually put together. And we're going to have a chat about all the things that have been going on during the week in the world of sport. We are coming to you from Studio Lumo here at number one King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy SA. We'll be back in a moment. Good to be with you. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Good morning to you here on Saturdays in SA. Uh, currently 20 degrees in the city. We're getting to a top of 25 later today. So the war- weather is certainly starting to fine up. Uh, Bryce Gibbs, Tom Lyon with you today. Uh, we're asking this morning, um, depth chart, Crows and Port Adelaide sides, uh, how deep does the squads run? Mm. Um, and if you're going to get if they're going to get some injuries, where are you going to be most vulnerable? Uh, so jump on the text line 0427 154 166. Get us your thoughts. Obviously, with Bruce McAvaney uh, being awarded life member uh, life membership to the AFL, who are your best and favourite commentators over the last couple of decades? 04. 04- Two seven one five four one double six. Let us know your thoughts. So, we've got producer Jason who uh, yes. has put something together, which uh, taken a little bit of your thunder, Tommy. But uh, it's no, I love I'm, it. I'm looking forward to seeing what you're about to dish up here, Jason. Well, Welcome to you this morning. Careful what you wish for, Bryce. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Now, before yep. we get to yes. it, the pitch in India is a real issue, isn't it? Is that illegal? What, well, what look, are the rules around uh, putting together a pitch like that? Look, let's let's be honest. Uh, every pitch in Australia has its own characteristics and we ramp them up sometimes compared to who we're going to play. Mm. So, uh, you know, if we go into a series here in Australia and we're playing the first test in Brisbane and we've got a strong bowling attack against a weaker, say, English batting lineup. We may have a little bit more grass on it than might normally be the case. So let's not claim that we are completely not guilty in terms of mm. ramping up pitch conditions. But India takes it to a new level. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. When you start rolling half the pitch and watering patches of it and the pitch, uh, I think it was described, I heard it described by one of our SEN correspondents as a pitch that you could play checkers on. Um, because yes. it was uh, changing in colours about three different parts of the pitch. So, yeah, they definitely take it to a new level. But um, let's not dwell on the pitch itself okay. because Rohit Sharma made a magnificent hundred on it the other day, yeah. uh, yesterday, and put uh, India in the box seat in that game. And we'll have more details on it later. But uh, Bryce, off the top of the show, you mentioned uh, we shoot ourselves in the foot a little bit sometimes. Mm. Well. Here's the thing, right? Uh, you could look at these selections for this test and you could go, Todd Murphy's come in, taking five wickets. That's like making 100 on Dubu. That's a win. That's a win. Tick. We give that a tick. Well done, selectors. Congratulations. But if you're a weatherman and you only get it right half the time, you're not a very good weatherman. No. And if you're a selector <laughs> and the fourth <laughs> best batsman in the world can't going? make your team, you're an idiot! <laughs> 
Jeez, Jase. <laughs> wow, this is reminiscent of Hughesy loses it. Do you remember that? Dave Hughes would just lose the plot. Getting some of those vibes, Jase. So you're not happy with the selections? I, I no. would say 99.9% of Australia are pissed with that. Uh, I would suggest that that's the case. I'm pretty sure our guest today, Chad Sayers, will have a bit to say on that as well. But yeah. look, I spoke to you through the week, Tommy, and I know you're a busy lad um, mm. and uh, taking on the host role. You were f- world famous for your little songs in this particular show. We oh, had one yeah. last week. You put the pressure on me because you, I, I said, I, I, surely we're going to do a song about the selection or non-selection yeah. of Travis Head. And you said, sorry, I haven't had time this week. And yeah, I'm like, under the pump, man. Geez, that's, that's selfish of you, Tommy. Yeah. Come yeah. On. Well, Priorities. I dive on the grenade, and and I am, uh, folks, I am no Tom Lyon. Can I just put that out there right oh, now? The, don't lower expectations. The please. vocal cords. Don't expect a Frank Sinatra esque performance here. Um, but oh, I don't know. I, I'm quietly okay with well, how this came up. He's happy with it. He's happy with uh, it. Jace, uh, I'm not not happy with the way it sounds. <laughs> For the vocal, it needed your vocals. What we've, what I've seen early on in uh, getting to know you, Jace, is you've got those creative bones in your body. You can, like a little magpie, you go gathering around the internet and picking up bits and bobs of information. So I'm looking forward to this. Neither Bryce or I have heard it yet. Uh, this is Jace's rendition of what's gone wrong with uh, the selection at this test. That that was uh, a bit, and for the crow to make an appearance in a place that he shouldn't, <laughs> he just, just he's, he's got nothing to do with cricket. Up there, I tell you what, up. no wonder we couldn't get a hold of him yesterday. Yeah, trying to I was text busy. through what we wanted to uh, have ready for the show, he wouldn't get back to us because he was too busy. Uh, like Mozart recording that yeah, bad boy. Under the pump. It's like God puts His hand on your brain and then you just let the rest happen. Now look, uh, that's that's your one week off, so you're back, <laughs> you're back in. Okay. Next week. Well, next week uh, we can look forward to something Port Adelaide themed because I know we did something. Uh, to do with the crows last week, and I've got something very special coming I up. I want to see Chase. if you could work the crow into, into your port Adelaide into a song. port song. That would be. I think we would lose our jobs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not allowed. But mate, 
Across Australia, now I know this is, was initially a niche sport and, and I know uh, a lot of people uh, aren't really across it until about a year or two ago, but the UFC has exploded across the world and particularly with our Australians, uh, Robert Whittaker and Alex Volkanovsky uh, committing to title fights, which means they are some of the absolute best in the world. Alex Volkanovsky is pound for pound, which means across all divisions, he is the best fighter right now going around. He's jumping up from the featherweight division into the lightweight division on Sunday. He's fighting Islam, who is from Russia, and uh, they breed him tough over there in Russia. He's a wrestler, but he'll knock you out if he gets a chance. Bryce, have you followed the UFC at all, or how do you... Have you watched it? Uh, Not traditionally, no. No. It's not something that I've uh, followed closely over the years, but uh, I have been to a a UFC fight, one when they held a bout in Melbourne, and it was Whitaker. He was the, the main draw card that day um, and to be honest I, like, I can watch it, I don't have a, a problem with that watching it on the TV but to be there live mm. and, and we were sitting not too far from, from the octagon or I think it was a, I think it was just a boxing um, ring yeah. uh, in, in Melbourne that day but uh, it was hearing the punches land yeah. on you know guys jaws and knees to the the ribs like it was a very uncomfortable feeling actually yeah you know seeing the claret coming get out smashed it out of their face and it was a bit it was a little bit disturbing but um <laughs> yeah it's not uh, it's not something i've followed too well but uh i'm actually going to tune into this one yeah. it's uh, been a, a big build-up um and uh, he's going in 21 and 1 too. So yeah. um, there's obviously a lot of talk around that he, he could become one of uh, Australia's greatest athletes if he can, yes. if he can uh, win this fight. Yeah, he's got a lot of grit and that Aussie determination about him, Alex Volkanovsky. And he's an exciting fighter to watch. He's very quick. It's very hard to get him down. Um, this is uh, some words from Israel Adesanya, who's also a world champ, uh, who's born in Africa, but he fights out of New Zealand and he's talking about what he knows about Alex Volkanovsky as he's trained with him if you're yet to sort of get your eyes and ears across it. I first met Alex Volkanovsky training in Thailand seven years ago. It wasn't his speed or skills that stood out. Nah. It was something else. Something you can't see. Grit. Determination. That's hard right there. You can't teach that right there. Rivaled appetite for destruction. And on Sunday, live from Perth on main event, this Larakan from the town they call the Gong chases history at UFC 284. Already a decade undefeated, featherweight champion and the pound-for-pound best fighter in the whole damn world. Now, he steps up to the toughest division in the sport. They say Islam is too big, he's too strong. They don't know what I know. And despite all the glory, the fame, the championships and the money, my mate Volk's still the hardest worker in the room. So if, I don't know, if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does. Jace, are you going to tune into it? Do you follow it or not really? I am a huge UFC fan. Yeah. Um, and there is a local establishment down the Semaphore area that we'll Ooh. be frequenting to watch this. Um, right. With uh, yeah, my, my son, who's also a bit of a UFC fan. So the, we've been waiting for this fight for a long time. We knew yeah. it was coming. Um, but uh, this Islam is, he's a beast. He's yeah. a beast. But Volkanovsky, as was just summed up beautifully in that little grab there, is something else. He is 
Uh, in a couple of his fights, one in particular, he was basically choked out yeah. um, and managed to worm his way out of it somehow. Even the commentary team uh, couldn't believe, Joe Rogan couldn't just couldn't believe how he managed to weave his way out of it and, and finish the fight. He is almost impossible to keep on the mat. So, and you've got the best grappler in the world versus the best striker in the UFC, best pound-for-pound fighter overall. So um, this is like Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that big. It's going to be huge. We'll be watching it. Uh, let us know if you're going to be watching it. Let us know who you think will be the winner. Uh, Volkanovski is odds on about $3.20, whereas um, Islam is about a dollar. 40 or something like that. So as he should be when you're wrestling bears as a kid. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's up with that? He wrestles a bear. I think we need it's to... legit. I've seen the footage. It's ridiculous. Bring a bit of that to our uh, parenting. Chuck him in with some bears, Bryce. Oh, maybe Volkanovski's been wrestling some kangaroos when, uh, <laughs> when he's been growing <laughs> up. So we can, we can, them getting we, around the goal. We can go toe-to-toe with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, up next, we're going to be talking to our good friend Chad Sayers. For the very first time, he's making his debut on the Saturday's In SA show. He's going to run us through his thoughts about the snake pit that is in uh, India and what's going on there and his emotions around Travis Head's uh, omission. We'll be back with you very soon with Chad Sayers. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Oh, I still can't get past that dramatic music, Bryce. That's uh, we're delivering the news nice and hard to you. <laughs> uh, coming to you from Studio Lumo SA at Number One King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy. And uh, Gibber, look, it does seem that Australia's worst nightmares are unfolding in uh, India. Of course, all this preparation for what the conditions might uh, throw up, and then they're just. Uh, mixing up the team and unsettling it, I think. And a man who is a South Australian champion making his debut on our show, I know he's going to have a lot of emotions about our boy Travis Head being dropped from the side. Chad Sayers, thank you so much for joining us, mate. No worries. How are you, boys? Good, Chatty. Um, Let's get into it. And I know you expressed your feelings via social media when we all heard the news uh, that our boy Trav Head uh, was going to be dropped for for the first test uh, in India. Talk us through it. Like, who? How have they come to this decision? Because when we're sitting two for two early in the first innings, you just scratch your head and go, "How have they made this mistake?" Yeah, I'm not too sure, Gibbsy, but uh, I went out for for a quick dip in the pool hot on Thursday (laughs) and came back in and he was out. And I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Um, Yeah, I had no inkling that he wasn't going to play. We know he's probably struggled a little bit in Asian conditions over the last couple of years, but um, how are you supposed to improve those if you're not in the side? The summer he had, there was no chance he was getting dropped, was there? So, um, yeah, it wasn't great to hear that he he was left out of the side. Do you think the flux that's going on with uh, guys coming out injured, Cameron Green, Mitch Stark, and then, of course, Head being dropped, do you think that flux uh, is affecting the side, a bit too much change? Oh, I don't think so. I think you'd like a settled side, and Australia have been so settled over the last five to ten years, haven't they? And that's why they've been so dominant. But they're all experienced players, um, apart from a couple of them. So um, they know what it's like to play for Australia and perform on that stage. So how did you find out our first innings uh, with the bats? Obviously, we, we failed at the top of the order. Um, Marnus, you know, grinded away for a, for a 49. Steve Smith hung around for a little bit. But we, we knew the challenges that the wicket was going to throw up. Um, 177 probably seemed, you know, a little bit unders. Um, how did you find our first innings? 
Yeah, obviously, first innings in India, you really got to make it worthwhile after winning the toss. So um, to be two for two wasn't ideal, but as you said, Steve Smith and Marner showed their class and got the uh, ball rolling back on Australia's terms. But in India, we all know it's bloody hard to start against a great spin attack. And um, yeah, they just, once they get on a roll, they're hard to stop, aren't they? So good to see um, Pete Hanscom come in and do a little bit. Um, Alex Carey obviously showed his class with the bat and how he plays spin. So um, they got him to, I guess, a little bit of a respectable total of 170, but it was never going to be enough. Mm, I know this has been spoken about ad nauseum this week, but I feel like it's blatant pitch manipulation when they're watering and uh, ironing out certain parts of the pitch and leaving others and sort of setting up for, obviously, India's advantage. Is is it cheating or is it really they can get away with this, Chad? I think India get away with most things, don't they? (laughs) They pretty much run the show in, in world cricket, but I would... So it's pretty close to cheating, isn't it? You're manipulating the game in a way uh, to suit their bowlers and our, against our batters. So um, I didn't like to see that, but I don't think that's why Australia are in the position they are now. They've mm. both batted on it um, now. We've, saw, we've seen the class of the, the Indian side in their conditions. So obviously with the, the disappointment of, of Hetty, uh, we've actually seen a, a really great story in, in Todd Murphy come into the side, debut. He's already taken Pfeiffer. Uh, he's obviously in the side. This this wicket suits his his spin. Um, tell us about his journey and uh, what a way to start his test career. Yeah, he's only played a handful of Shield games, Gibbsy. So it was a left field selection, I think, especially playing two off spin bowlers against a lot of right handers. But uh, um, credit where credit's due, it's paid off. And um, yeah, he's a young kid. He bowls with good shape and good variation. That's what you need over in India. He hits the stars majority of the time, and we've seen um, with his wickets a lot of LBWs. So, um, yeah, great for him to get it, get a crack over in uh, conditions that suit spin, and for him to take wickets against India and to get Virat Kohli out in your first test. How good's that? Take that every day of the week. Um, so, just for the the rest of the match, obviously, India are sitting at three for uh, seven for three hundred and twenty-one. Uh, it's going to be tough, I think, to to win the game. Do you reckon? If we can get him out uh, cheaply today uh, and try and put on a big score, do you reckon we can try and salvage a draw or it's going to be uh, pretty tough to, to win this first test? Yeah, I think the game's over, Gibbsy, after our first <laughs> innings. Um, actually, he bowled pretty well yesterday. Paddy Cummins came back after his uh, first round on day one. was pretty poor. Um, Scotty Bowling bowled well without being too threatening. And as you said, Todd Murphy was outstanding. But... Um, they got themselves back in the game a little bit, but Jadeja and uh, Patel just put the nail in the coffin, I think, and this partnership that's going on now over 60 or 70. Um, their batting talent is just immense in the air. They just bat down to 10 or 11. So um, I think anything over 150, the game might be over um, today, Gibbsy, day three. Uh, and let's just go to the Redbacks now, mate. Uh, you're obviously across that as well. Um, Daniel Drew, what an innings uh, he's he's put together um, for, for our Redbacks. Unbeaten, 160. Uh, the Redbacks are currently five for 311 in their Sheffield Shield match. Um, what, a, what a start for Drewy uh, in this innings. Yeah, perfect start for the backs after the big bash, isn't it? Um, Sean Marsh won the toss and put the Redbacks in. So um, to be five for 320 is it's just great for the Redbacks. A great start. Um, and Daniel Drew, he's just been in great form for the last couple of years. 
especially in Grey Creek. He goes back and makes 150 every week. So deservedly, he gets his chance and a decent chance at it. And he's shown the, the selectors how good he can be at that level. And 160 in any format is great. And hopefully he can continue uh, today and get a big double hundred. Yeah, good to see our SA boys uh, standing up again. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see how the rest of this test and, in fact, the series unfolds. I mean, we're hoping for a draw really is is probably the best scenario that we could hope for in this one. Chad Sayers, thank you so much for your insight and bringing it today. No, no worries, boys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, mate. Uh, now, Bryce, coming up next, we are diving into the Crows and Ports list. We're, I'm not sure which one we'll do, so Port fans and Crows fans, stay with us. But this is a fascinating look because you, you find out a little bit about uh, where the squad is at when you look at every single player on the list. And we're going to do a list depth analysis. Yeah, we certainly are, Tommy. And uh, you, when you strip it right back, you can sort of see where what sort of positions that the both clubs run deep in, but uh, there's some other positions that if they were to get a couple of injuries that yeah. uh, they might struggle to fulfill. And, and we even saw with, with Port uh, in 2022 with their, with their ruck stocks, everyone getting injured, they had to make up a bit of a hybrid role for, mm. for Dixon um, so, Finlayson. and Finlayson as well. So uh, it actually worked for them. But what are, what are the other areas that uh, if they were to get a couple of injuries, they might struggle in? So we'll deep dive into a bit of a depth chart uh, next, Tommy. Stay with us. It's going to be a fascinating chat. You're listening to Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Coming to you from Studio Lumo SA at number one King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Oh, yes. Good morning. Good to be with you today. A little bit overcast, looking at a top of 25 degrees. Is that right, Gibber? I think we're going to get to 25 degrees, which is nice. A little bit overcast outside as it sits, but hopefully the sun comes out in the afternoon and, yeah, we can... Enjoy a sunny day. Yeah, well, you can smell it. You know, footy season's just around the corner and there's the trial coming up on Friday, uh, the inter-trial with the Crows. Would you head along to that or would you care? I think they have a live stream on the on the internets. Uh, <laughs> on something called the inter- internet? Yeah. Uh, if I've got nothing on, I might head down and have a look. Okay, but, so uh, last priority yeah, for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't been down, I actually haven't been down to Westlake since. Uh, I've retired, so... Uh, <laughs> I might have oh. to get it on Google Maps and find out how to get yeah, down there again. Yeah, just refresh people's memory of uh, <laughs> who you were and what you did there. and Might not get let in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a few tips for the midfield as well, what they can work on in the sandfall to try and get back in. <laughs> Maybe. just You could be Matty Crouch's consultant. Um, we're asking on the text line right now, 0427154166, who your favourite commentators uh, over the journey of him because of, we're going to dive into Bruce's legacy and his journey, Bruce McVaney, later in the show. And uh, this one from Brett Morning, guys, back in the 80s and the early 90s, Ian Daisy Day from South Australia used to commentate the Sample uh, and the Grand Finals, was fantastic. Also, Kim Dillon back in the day was very good, Sample Grand Finals. There you go. Um, a few Brett, local guys. Brett's not Kim Dillon's brother, is it? Giving, giving Brett, Kim Dillon a pump up on a Sunday morning. Brett's not Kim Dillon, is he? <laughs> <laughs> we hope not. 
Hey, Bryce, we promised we'd do a uh, deep dive into both the Crows and Port Adelaide's lists and um, see where they're positioned depth-wise across the board because they do say uh, you win a flag with your best sort of 25 to 30 players. It's not just the 22. Uh, Some clubs have great depth, like Geelong and others not so much. We're going to start off with the Crows. You've had a bit of a look at them, Bryce. What, What have you taken out of it? Yeah, I have. So we're just going to talk about uh, sort of each position on the ground, um, who they're sort of starting 22 might look like and and the guys that are underneath them that, you know, if they were to get some injuries, can those guys just come up straight away and mm. perform a role and 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 the positions that, that if there's injuries that they might struggle to replace guys um, in. So... Um, the Crows, they've got a couple mm. of really strong positions that they, they bat deep in. So yep. um, one of those positions is uh, the small forward type roles. So with the inclusion of Isaac Rankin, obviously Rochelle last year, um, they're probably your, your two starters. Uh, and then under yeah. those under those guys, you've got the likes of Murphy, McHenry, Zach Taylor, uh, Newchurch as well. So um, they're, they're pretty strong in, in that area of the ground. Uh, and also uh, the inside mid brigade. Yeah. Uh, we, we all know they've got a lot of those similar type players, the, the in and under contested ball, uh, tackling machines. We're speaking of Laird, Ben Keys, Berry. Uh, you can add Sloan in that mix as well. So there's sort of four starters you'd think would be in and around the, the starting 22. Mm. Um, off the back of that, uh, Schomburg, you got, I've put Haitley in that mix. Um, Matt Crouch as well and, and the new new boy Bond as well. So mm. um, they're obviously not, not lacking that type of player. So, you know, if there was an injury to a Laird or a Keys, you know, Schomburg or a Haitley could could certainly step up into that into that role. With Haitley, I saw last year he had a few games where he really jumped up and started to get a lot of the ball, 26 uh, touches in one game, 30 in another one, um, and then he kind of tailed off again and got dropped again. Do you feel like this is a, a bit of a make or break year for him or he's got a, a couple of chances? Well, he's got so much competition in, in yeah. that space. I mean, you hear of uh, how good Luke Peddler's preseason's been. And, yeah. and I think he's been playing as a bit more of a, a forward, a high forward um, that can go into the midfield. But uh, when you hear um, guys like that who, you know, essentially he's Haitley's competing with those sort of guys and when you hear other names being spoken about how well they're going it does make me a little bit worried for uh, mm. for Jackson but um yeah no doubt he'll be trying everything he can to to put his hand up and and no better way to, to play well in these intra-club games coming up in these uh when they go to Perth against Frio and, and West Coast to, to really have strong performances to uh to try and get picked for, for round one. Yeah, um, I'd love to see him go well and become that bigger midfielder that everybody sort of craves for Adelaide. Certainly. So a couple of areas where they have got some really good players, but they're starting to get a little bit thin. And, and this is why you see a Jordan Dawson start mm. on a wing. You see him at half back because it is sort of that outside outside midfield role and the sort of hybrid yeah. running defender role. So that's why you see him flip. So you've okay. outside mids, I've got Dawson. I've put Wayne Malira in there. I reckon he's going to be going to be back to having a good year as, yeah. a, as a wingman halfbacker. Uh, and Saligo as well. Um, some some depth under those guys. You've got Lockie Scholl, Braden Cook, 
uh, and the new recruit, Tyler Brown, as well. Um, okay. So mixing that with the high defenders, hybrid defenders, uh, Brody Smith, Tom Duday, Hamill, uh, those are the sort of guys that will probably be in the mix for round one. Um, Max Michelani could be a, a smoky as well in that sort of area, but they sort of are, are a bit thin. So that's yeah. a little bit concerning that they have enough names there that if they were to cop an injury or two, I think they can cover, but starting to get a little bit bit worried there. Yeah, it feels like they're, like, I mean, probably most teams are lacking this type of player, but, uh, you know, Sam Walsh, who's like an inside-outside star, the Crow, I can't see one of those guys like that across the Crow's lists. It seems like mo- most of the players, bar Luke Pedler's potential or Harry Schoenberg's potential, um, uh, either inside or just kind of outside. Yeah, and I think we might see a, a Sloney play on the wing a little bit more mm. um, for that reason. If they were to struggle in, in that wing, um, there's even been reports that he's been playing off halfback in yeah. some of the practice matches as well. So yeah. he might be a player to play in those sort of roles to help that depth potentially. Mm. Uh, and a couple of areas that I'm, I'm worried about for the Crows, uh, obviously the ruck stocks yeah. uh, are, are concerning. If Riley O'Brien goes down, um, obviously Kieran Strawn is the backup Um and then outside of that, there's not much. We're going to see Riley Philthorpe uh, get a bit more time in the ruck, uh, more as a, a relief ruckman, as we know. But, yeah, uh, Riley O'Brien and, and Kieran Strawn, and there's not much more mm. outside of that. So if both of the rucks go down for the Crows, um, they're certainly very thin. Uh, and the key defenders yeah. uh, is a, another area of what concern. What happens if Butts goes down? Well, that's there. it. I've got Butts. Uh, well, I'm putting Josh Worrell in, in, in as a key okay. defender. You, you'd probably rather him as that intercepting third tall yeah. defender. But, uh, you know, Murray, um, does Keane, the new Irishman recruit, come in and, and help sort of fill that void? It's probably too early to know if he can if he can hold that position. But outside of Butts, Warrell, I mean, Duda's, you don't want him playing on, on a the key gorillas. forward. You want him like that Warrell, third tall, intercept marker. So, you know, Butts and Warrell, Murray, outside of that, there's, there's a, really not a whole lot. Um, yeah. And also the key forwards. If if Taylor Walker goes down, if if Riley Thilthorpe goes down, um, you know Fogg's not uh, really you know that key tall forward. Yeah, he's, he's more, more of a lead up um, hybrid sort of sort of forward. So um, him and McAdam are, are sort of those that that medium type forwards. But uh, Taylor Walker, Thilthorpe, and, and Himmelberg. If if one or two of those players go down, uh, that forward line becomes. Uh, in terms of height, a lot, yeah. a lot smaller. So, the uh, the the positions for concern for mine are the, are the ruck stocks, the key defenders, and key forwards. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Gibber. The, particularly with the ruck stocks, they feels like we need to get a uh, 23, 24 year old, or you know, just a young ruckman, but whose body is good, well enough to step into the AFL, just to be. Be there to support Kieran Strawn and Riley O'Brien because Tilthorpe is more of your hybrid. He's going to be kind of floating around a bit of everywhere from the sounds of things uh, at the Crows camp. They're talking about him floating a bit into the ruck, but a bit on the wing, a bit everywhere. Well, yeah, and uh, you know you, when you come up against teams like Melbourne when they've got Gorn and Grundy in there, is he going to be ready to go against the, the second ruckman, which could be Max, Max Gorn? Yeah, I'd say no. So, uh, yeah, certainly uh, a lot of interesting um, decisions to make for the Crowies and uh, it'll be interesting to see how some of these players fare over the next month 
in uh, in these precky matches. Absolutely. Let us know your thoughts on 0427 154 Has Bryce got that right or has he missed something there? Uh, who do you think of the Crows' depth players? You know, the Lockie Murphy types who are kind of there for depth, but there's a little bit in no man's land. We'd love to know on 0427 154 We're going to do Port Adelaide a little bit later in the show. Uh, good morning. It is 9.26. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, good morning. It's just gone 9.30 here on your Saturday mornings in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Coming to you from SEN Studio Lumo SA, 1 King William Street, and we're powered by Lumo Energy. Now, up next, we've got a great chat. We're going to pay tribute to the great Bruce McAvaney after being awarded with life membership uh, in the last week or two. We take a look back at some of Bruce's iconic moments, and geez, it'll get your spine tingling. Uh, that's up next. <laughs> Talking about Bruce. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Oh, dramatic news right there, Bryce. Uh, love, the, uh, love to turn the microphone on as well. Welcome along. Saturday's in SA, top of 25 today. It's Right now it's 9.35 and we are coming to you from South Australia's Studio Lumo SA at number one King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy. Now, this excites me, Bryce, because Bruce McAvaney during the week was uh, inducted into the AFL's uh, life membership list and uh, alongside so many other worthy uh, recipients. But I thought, what a great opportunity to um, look at some of Bruce's legacy and what he's brought to us uh, through our lives. Because uh, my memories through childhood are marked by Bruce McAvaney moments, particularly that Kathy Freeman one. I mean, do you, do you remember the pressure that was on Kathy leading up to that Sydney Olympics? We were starved in the track and field, and uh, she... She delivered. She had to light the cauldron as well. Like it's some people don't remember how much pressure was on her, and Bruce obviously felt the pressure, and he delivered that day. I don't know if Bruce does feel the pressure. He's delivered so many iconic calls yeah. over the journey. It just it's just water off a duck's back for Bruce, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, speak. I mean, he is that type of person who over prepares because that's what people do when they want to get it right and they feel a bit of pressure. Um, here's that one of Kathy Freeman. Freeman's got work to do here. Into the slate, Graham leads. Freeman runs up to her. Mary inside. Kathy lifting. Goes up to Graham. Takes the lead. Looks a winner. Draws away from Graham and Mary. This is a famous victory. A magnificent performance. What a legend. What a champion. Ooh, I, I heard an interview where he said he wished... He had done those two words in reverse at the end. He wished he had said, what a champion, what a legend. Yeah. I mean, very critical of himself is Bruce. Well, I wouldn't have picked up on it, to be honest. <laughs> I thought it was perfect. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can just, I can imagine it now, still watching it, her running down that last hundred and Bruce doing some of his absolute finest work. And we've heard that that call over and over again over the years. It was yeah. certainly uh, one of his finest moments, I think. Yeah, now you've also had a look into some of your favourite uh, Bruce moments, Bryce. What have you got? I do. Uh, Buddy Franklin 
yeah. comes to mind. Uh, when, well, a bit like Cyril, he certainly had a, a bit of a man crush. Yeah, he did on Buddy. Um, so let's have a listen to to what some of his fine work talking about Buddy here. Now I'm just looking for Buddy because he's gone missing on me. But let's. Well, I've got another one for you. Okay. Uh, what about Lewis Jetta? Uh, in Sydney v yes, Collingwood in the now, prelim final in 2012 <laughs> off yeah, the top of yeah. my head, Tommy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he picked it up on the half-back line. Now, this was exciting. McVeigh, busy early. Reed clever. Jenner can go all the way. <laughs> now he's going to stretch Brown. He'll run, he'll him. run to the he'll goal bounce him. Usain Bolt wouldn't get him now. And Jenner puts on another one. That is just so exciting. <laughs> Oh, yes, that was so exciting. Um, he also lent on a few uh, words strongly, didn't he, Bruce? He, if he found a word he liked, he would say it uh, multiple times, particularly the word yes. And now Bex with an opportunity about 50 metres out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, one with Josh Caddy, he lent on this particular word five times. He sets it up, Caddy, 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 Caddy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is actually a, a personal favourite of mine, it, and it, it's not one that many people would pick out as as a favourite. But back in, I think it was 2013, the Crows were playing North Melbourne over at Marvel Stadium, and uh, they were down by up to five goals throughout the last quarter. They clawed their way back. Uh, enter Jared Petrenko and Bruce McAvaney as a duo. Jenkins, a half chance taken down. Carriage, the unlikely hero. Kicks to full forward. Anything can happen here. Here we go. It's a goal. Can you believe it? It's extraordinary. Oh, Petrenko, the late inclusion during the week, an indigenous round. Oh, gives me the tingles, that one. It does. It just gets you out of your seat, gets you, gets you up and about listening to that. Absolutely. I'd like to float an idea because he's obviously retired from the AFL now. I don't, there's not a single person I'd speak to who uh, hasn't fallen in love with Bruce and doesn't want him back again. I think it would actually monetary-wise be worth it if they paid him a million dollars to bring him back just for the final series. They, I think they would earn it back in ratings. Maybe you could start a petition, Tommy. Start collecting a few signatures because I reckon you get a few yeah. if, uh, <laughs> if that was the case. But uh, oh, I'd be all for it. But I'd tell you, poor uh, whoever's been doing the job all year for the home and away season, I'm, I reckon they'd still be happy to make way for... For Bruce to come in the in the chair again? Absolutely. Anyone who's worked with him has said they've helped him out. So they've helped them out so much. He's such a giving person. Uh, those are some of our best Bruce McAvaney memories. Let us know on 0427154166 if you've got any particular calls from Bruce. We've got Brett here chiming in again. Tommy, I think your true calling is to open up a karaoke bar and call it the Shower Singers. God, I don't know what that's about, but I do love a shower, Bryce. Have that you might, ever? That might be uh, more related to producer Jace after his it... uh, efforts this morning <laughs> singing yeah. uh, and making yeah. songs up. So, uh, yeah, I reckon Jace would be a, a terrific singer in the shower. Oh, he'd be terrific to see in the shower, I reckon. <laughs> have you ever? Have you ever had a cold shower, Bryce? <laughs> yeah, a few times. How do you go with those ice baths and cold showers? Because nah, I've started doing it. I, I wasn't a huge fan. No. Did, did, him, did him 
because we had to, uh, and don't do much anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've started having a cold shower, but apparently it uh, prolongs the dopamine in your brain for a bit for the day. Okay. So I started at 10 seconds, built it up to 20 seconds. <laughs> now I'm at 30 full seconds of a cold shower, and uh, you should hear me. I'm screaming. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, good morning to you here on Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Top of 25 today in South Australia, so it should be nice to get out and about. Um, We've got a couple off the text line on 0427154166. Some of your favourite Bruce McAvaney calls. Dave from Hallett Cove. Have you got Bruce's call of Ollie Hoare winning the Commonwealth Games 1500 metre final? It was iconic. Uh, we might be able to get okay. that. Okay. Kip Sanctuariot. Hoare lifting here. Lifting with a big run. Into the stretch. Whiteman leads. Ollie Hoare's coming with a mighty run with Chariot. The Aussies are charged. Chariot goes up. Here comes Ollie Hall with a flashing run. I reckon he's going to get this. He's won it. He's done what Heard did in 1958. It's an extraordinary moment in Australian sport. Oh, that was a good one last year. That that really got me uh, watching the Olympics, our track and field in particular. Um, this is a lovely text from Linda. What about the all-time great uh, Bryce Gibbs? Bruce calling his uh, Carlton days. <laughs> Good third man up, Gibbs, going, yep, he's done it again, oh, a second yeah. goal. To half four, Davis couldn't quite, Simpson with him, and then Benhurst wrapped up by Gibbs. Carrazzo, Gibbs, getting back, Gibbs taking oh, it upon himself, well, he pitch. hasn't had a better night than this ever, I reckon. Oh, oh yes. I just want to get out there and play footy now relive, after hearing that. Relive the good days, particularly with that music backing you. you know, <laughs> it was that, sort that, of Motley Crue, wasn't that, it, that backing was a, you? That wasn't something that was prepared earlier, no doubt. No, no, that was uh, that was spontaneous, as <laughs> always, Bryce. Uh, one last one here, yeah. Steve from Seton. Uh, loving the show, boys. Good to have you back on Saturday mornings. Uh, do you have the 97-98s? back-to-back Adelaide Crows call from Bruce. Well, yes. Well, I saw that during the break, Steve, and uh, producer Jace has knocked that one up. So there's nothing left now but to celebrate. The Crows are home. It's ticking away. They've done what we thought was impossible. They've been to Perth, to Melbourne, to Sydney, to Melbourne, and they've come back. Oh, man, that brings back memories, particularly the travel factor. That was uh, – I don't think anyone did that until the Bulldogs um, went over to Perth and all around the place, but you rarely see a side win four in a row to get to a flag. Thanks so much for your texts on uh, on your favourite moments of Bruce. Uh, got, getting a lot of tingles there. Now, Bryce, we did say we're going to uh, check in with Port Adelaide's list depth. We did the Crows just before, and now I was tasked with looking into Port Adelaide and it was a fascinating look. And we're going to start here with the key forwards, which I think they are lacking as far as a hulking. Uh, they've got Charlie Dixon, who's 32 years old now. But I feel like Porter a bit vulnerable in this area because Marshall's more of a second or third tall. Dixon's 32, obviously. 
And the others are kind of not your number one banana. You've got Jeremy Finlayson, who's going to be a great as a bit of a hybrid ruck kind of guy. And Mitch Georgiatis, who does your uh, third tall jumping jack kind of stuff. Uh, and after that, though, they did look at it in the draft with Ollie Lord, who's uh, he's 21, but he's very raw, and Tom Scully, who's, um, you know, a, a long way off. So say if Dixon goes down, they really don't have another hulking guy who's going to be ready. Yeah, they certainly have got a huge raps on, on Ollie Lord and, and mm. we'll hope that his development can fast track certainly uh, really quickly. But um, I've got one for you that, that, that could help. Uh, they've, they've got they've bolstered the, the ruck stocks. Their rucks are, are quite set. Yeah. If they were really struggling, could you, could you start a Scott Lysette at full forward or as a, as a key forward and, and let – a Bryn Teekle ruck. Uh, obviously, Sam Hayes had a taste for yeah. AFL footy in 2022. Um, we know Jeremy Finlayson and Dixon waxed really well in the ruck, but um, just I'm trying to think outside the box. Yeah. And they could start a, uh, a Scotty Lysette if needed just to be that key pillar down forward if a, if a Dixon and a Finlayson were to go down. Yeah, absolutely could. I, I mean, it's in the similar vein to probably what Melbourne are going to do with Max Gorn uh, going up there, although Lysette's not as mobile um, as a Dixon or, or a Max Gorn. But definitely, I guess if they're in trouble, they could do that. But that's maybe something they, you know, say if Dixon goes down, that might be something to consider in the mid-year draft. Now, I've got up next the general – I've put the general forwards and small forwards all in the one box. Power Pepper, Willie Rioli, Orazio Fantasia. These are guys who are going to probably make the 22. And then as depth, you've got the Jed McEntee, Francis Evans and Dylan – Williams, so a little, little light on for depth, I'd say. Although Jed McIntyre went well, but here is what interests me: the key defenders, Bryce, Tom Jonas, uh, and Alira Alira, kind of you guys who will play the bigger boys, although they're not uh, hulking monsters themselves. Then you got Tom Cleary. So it seems that they're only allowing key defenders with the name Tom uh, <laughs> predominantly at Port. So if they can open their horizons and find guys who are not named Tom, they might uh, get a few more key defenders on the list. But I, I feel like they're just lacking a little bit of size there. Tom McCullum, who they picked up from Tassie in the draft last year, is 193. But it's it's no new news. They've got um, Mackenzie as well, who's a smaller. Well, he plays on the keys, but he is a smaller guy. They're lacking a, the big size there, don't you reckon? Yeah, I think you've nailed it on the head. And looking at Port's list and depth in all positions overall, they're actually they're pretty well across the board, except for this area. This yeah. is the certainly the the alarming position that if they struggle in and get some injuries that it's going to be tough to fill. Obviously, Alir Alir, as you mentioned, you, you sort of don't, although he has been playing on the key defenders, you, you want him like your, your Tom Duda, your mm. Josh Worrell, the, your, your third in intercept player getting the second or, or third string forward because that's where he plays his best footy. No doubt he can hold down the key monsters and key gorilla key forwards, uh, but... He doesn't play his best footy. He plays his best footy when he can come off, intercept and help out. Um, Tom Jonas, he's always played undersized. Um, and as you said, Trent McKenzie's the other one that they sort of go to. So um, outside of those guys, Tom um, Cleary, he was um, he was in and out of the side, I think, too, yeah, last year. Yeah, he's too. a bit so, more depth, isn't um, he? And then a, a couple of the, a young guys in McCullum and, and Kyle Marshall, uh, very raw. Um, he's a bit more of a, a running defender, I think, he'll turn into. So 
Uh, you're certainly right. That's probably the, the, the biggest concern that Port have, uh, are the key defender stakes. Absolutely. Let us know if I'm getting this wrong for you, if, if you know of others who could step up there. But 0427 154 uh, keep in touch. Now, this is an area where Port, I think, are as well-stocked as any in the competition, the general or running-type defenders. So you got Miles Bergman, Darcy Jones, Ryan Burton, Dan Houston, Lockie Jones. They're all probably in the side and depth, there is uh, Jace Burgoyne and Riley Bonner. Jake Passini as well, he's 192. They seem to have a surplus of these halfback types and uh, general defenders. Really good depth there. Yeah, certainly. And, and a lot of these guys can play up on the wing as well. So they've mm. got a, a couple of strings to their bow. And, and these are the guys you want the ball in their hand. Uh, the Ryan Burtons, the Houstons, the, the Burn Jones. Uh, they've been a staple of Port's. High half, whole half backs for the last couple of years, and uh, if they were to, a couple of those players were to go down, there's certainly enough stock to uh, to cover them quite easily. Yeah, and particularly, yeah, the wingers there. You've got Dersma, who we're hoping um, gets his mental space right when it comes to the contested ball this year, and Josh Sin, who I'm really excited about for Port Adelaide. He's got blistering pace and uh, a bit of depth there with Kane Farrell and Hugh Jackson, South Australian boy who runs really well. They're mostly interchangeable with the running back backs. So I think they're okay in that space, Bryce, but... I'm interested in your thoughts on this one because it looks pretty good to me, the midfield department. Connor Rosie's come up and looking fantastic in the midfield. Zach Butters, we're hoping, takes another step this year. Ollie Wines, of course, is a leader in there. Then we've uh, recruited Jason Horn francis over, who I'd hope is uh, starting in the midfield quite a bit this year. Trav Boak, who I think they're going to have him oscillate a bit mid-bit half forward so they can let those young guys come through. And then... There's a bit of depth here as well. Willem Drew, who's your defensive mid, who probably gets a call up into the 22 to, to play that role. Jackson Mead, Trent Dumont, and uh, someone who I don't know much about, Nathan Barkler, who's a, a Cat B rookie. Yeah, they, they're batting pretty deep in, in the mids and uh, a good mix too. I mean, obviously, all can win contested ball and then you've got some some guys with genuine leg speed in there now with your Rosies, your Butters, Jason Horn Francis can can burst out a stoppage. So um, when you got the balls in there, Ollie Wines just winning contested ball after contested ball. We know Trav Boak uh, wins it on the inside and on the outside. And you said more of your your defensive uh, stopper at times. We've mm. seen him play in William Drew. Uh, he can win his own ball when needed to as well. So uh, I really like their mix in there at the moment. If there was a couple of those boys to go down, I mean, we've seen Sam Powell Pepper play in the midfield. I think we've seen Dan Houston play in the midfield at times. So um, you can sort of mix and match those players um, if needed. So uh, I think one of their really strength mm. Uh, in the Port Adelaide side this year is their midfield and no doubt there'll be one of those or two of those players off the bench, half forward, inside. Um, So there's going to be a lot of different looks that Port can use in there. Yeah, there's a lot of players uh, who are exciting me for Port Adelaide this year and a lot of uh, things that I, I want to see how their game style sort of plays out with some of the new players coming in there. Um, we haven't touched on Ruck yet, Bryce. So this is an area where I think they're a little bit light on. Scott Lysette is your main guy. Now, if he goes down, as we saw last year, Finn Lason can do a job in there and he did very well last year. You've got Bryn Tickle. We don't know if he's... Great yet, but we think he can do well. 
And then you've got the kids, Dante Vizantini, Sam Hayes, who I think he's a little bit off the boil with Port now. So the Rugs still quite vulnerable because we don't know how long Lysette is going to be around. And we haven't got a full read on Tickle. So if Lysette goes down, Port could be into a, for a similar situation to last year. Well, yeah, we, we, we obviously saw it firsthand not that long ago and, and they covered it brilliantly and no one would have picked Charlie Dixon and Jeremy Finlayson to stand up mm. like they did, especially Finlayson. Very like, mobile. Had a crack, jumped in and then once the ball hit the ground, he was essentially like another midfielder. So, mm. I mean, he's battling uh, an injury concern at the moment. So Port will be hoping that he can get back uh, really quick. But yeah, Sam Hayes had a bit of a taste of it. He, he was, uh, he'd been waiting in the wings for a couple of years um, probably not as mobile and didn't get around the ground um, probably as well as Port would have liked. But I, I was really impressed actually with Bryn Tequel and the, yeah. and the, and the, he obviously got an opportunity, but he, I think he took it with both hands. And if it wasn't for injury, we probably would have seen him play a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think they covered Scott Lysette's injury, injury uh, amazingly. Uh, he's obviously back fit and firing is big Scotty Lysette, uh, and he's still the main man. There's, yeah, there's no doubt about boy. that to give uh, the mids first look at it. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've seen what they did last year, and I think they'll be able to cover him if he was to go down again. Yeah. All right, Give us, let us know your thoughts on 0427-154-166. How do you see Port's list and, and where are the deficiencies? It'll be interesting to see what they do with the mid-season draft. And overall, interesting to see where Port finish because if I'm Port Adelaide, I'm we're aiming for a top four because there's the potential to, to get top four for sure for them. But, yeah, need a few things to go right. Um, Bryce, up next, we're going to wrap around the whole world of sport. Uh, what's going on in the UFC? Of course, you're right across the NBA trade period and the cricket, all things sport. But before we get to that, the pitch has been a big talking point during the week. Bit of a snake pit, some people are saying. It's not quite playing out that way because there has been 100 made. But Robert Craddock, whenever he speaks, I listen. And uh, this is what he had to say about the pitch and uh, Todd Murphy. I've never seen a pitch prepared a two-tone pitch like this where you deliberately refuse to water an area of the pitch on the, due to the balance of the opposition team, which Australia having six left-handers out of their first top eight players. And it, it, it's absolutely dreadful, isn't it? But um, and, and I've never seen a situation where a guy like Matt Renshaw, who's a left-hander, could sacrifice his place in the team to right-hander Peter Hanscom on the basis of the condition of a portion of the pitch. Like, it's just... That is a story Test Cricket has never had before. Australia is deep in discussions, Jared, over its team. And don't write off Victoria's very own Todd Murphy for making one of the most stunning test taboos we've seen in many, many years. Well, hindsight's a beautiful thing because he obviously said that before Todd Murphy uh, set the world on fire there, um, which was fantastic to see. Hey, Bryce, up next, we are doing a sports wrap around the world. Good to be with you on Saturday's in SA. Tom Lyon, Bryce Gibbs, with you. Top of 25 today. 0427 154 166.
This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Oh, drama. Tom Lyon, Bryce Gibbs with you right now. Uh, about to do your Saturday scoreboard, bring you up to date with everything sport-wise. Coming to you from Studio Lumo SA at number one King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy. Now, Bryce, we've got a text here. We're talking about Bruce McAvaney's best moments throughout history. Uh, a lot of them give me a bit of the tingles all over. And this one here from Ben from Ferriton Park. Bruce did a phantom call of the Melbourne Cup a few years ago on Waitley's program. I saw the video. No notes, no screens. Just called an imaginary race from his memory. Amazing. <laughs> I, I do remember that. Now, producer Jace has just brought it up. Uh, okay, so let's have a listen to a phantom call from Bruce. With 400 to go, about a length and a half to Prince of Aaron. Val and Declare hooking out with Mirage, Dancer and Finch. Constantinople coming down the outside. Here's laid on Murder Glass and Cross Counter. 300 out. Magic Wand being galloped on by Val and Declare. Val and Declare's taken the lead. Mirage, Dancer under the whip. Finch coming with a big run and Constantinople and Cross Counter. Finch takes the lead. McAvoy riding for dear life. Constantinople coming at him. Cross Counter out wide. Finch Cross counter, cross counter draws level. Finch puts his big chestnut nose out. Waller's got his first. McAvoy's got his fourth. Finch wins. <laughs> that's beautiful. How good is that? Just uh, off the top, like he, that's unbelievable. I could listen to that all day. Okay, I could listen to that as uh, you know. I'm big on my sleep stories. That would uh, just relax me into a nice feeling of ecstasy. Now you know, Bryce. We're live and interactive, and we've just had some news come through that. Rory Sloan has uh, passed on the captaincy, so he's not going to captain Adelaide this year, to Jordan Dawson, and he's going to be the Crows' ninth skipper for this season. So that's an interesting choice, Jordan Daw- Well, firstly, what do you think of uh, Sloaney stepping aside? How's, how does that sit for you? Uh, I think it's an extremely tough decision for him, mm. and I, th- I think he's made the right one. Um Obviously, having the the year off last year, uh, I think his sole focus should be getting back into this side, playing some good footy and and helping these young guys and this young group get back to to playing finals footy. So um, I know how tough a decision it would have been, but um, he's he's come to that decision now. And and Jordan Dawson, he was actually my pick to to take it on. And there was, uh, I think he'd been quoted saying... um, he wasn't sure whether he was ready to take on the, the extra responsibility of captain. But for my opinion of him was he's come into this side, made immediate impact mm. wherever he plays, whether it's on the wing, half back, he impacts the game. He, he, he play, he sets the example on and off the field. I've met him a handful of times yep. off the field. He's very, very mature, speaks very well. And okay. um, he, I think he's the perfect man to, to captain and take the Crows forward uh, as they continue to climb up the ladder. Interesting. Okay, so yeah, Jordan Dawson, my worry was going to be if it's going to be a bit too much on his plate because last year they're chucking him around back, mid, forward, wherever they needed help. Um, do you think he'll just handle it with a plum, whereas it's not going to be too much extra pressure for him to captain on top of being uh, Mr. Fix-It? Well, I think that's that shows an unbelievable characteristic of Jordan Dawson because some guys can't handle that. Some mm. guys can't handle being thrown around in different positions and in different positions during one game too. Yeah, a lot of players like continuity and being in a routine and and just worrying about their one role, their one job. But uh, 
not many people can be thrown around in multiple positions in the one game and continue to have an impact. That's why he's so uh, valuable to mm. this this side, and and that's why he continues to be a great leader as well. So, yeah, as I said, I think he is the man for the job. Fascinating. I, I hope he's he does well because he's a fantastic player. Just news through that Rory Sloan has passed on the captaincy to Jordan Dawson. Uh, one last question for you, Bryce, about Jordy Dawson. Is he going to be the type of captain who is uh, a real talker and rev him up style or more, more of a follow me, my actions on the field, do the talking? Uh, well, obviously not knowing him that well, mm. but looking from afar, uh, I think he'll be the sort of leader that just sets the example by the way he plays. A bit like Sloaney uh, um, will set the example on the field and we'll obviously still be able to have a, a hard conversation when needed, but he'll be the, the type of captain to really get around you, put his arm around you, uh, and, and help each individual in, uh, in the areas that they need. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Now, a lot kicking around in the world of sport right now. Of course, there's a test in India and the massive UFC fight. Alex Volkanovsky. Uh, taking on Machkadev, I hope I've pronounced that properly, uh, the man from Russia who is an absolute monster. Um, Volkanovsky is stepping up into the lightweight division. A bit of a step up, but he doesn't think it's going to be a problem for him. There was a presser yesterday, of course. There's all the bluster of uh, that sort of stuff with the UFC where they're hamming up the fight and talking about different things. This was Alex Volkanovsky yesterday. Do you have well, a- that's, a, that, that, that's a funny thing. I, I don't know what he's coming to fight. Are we going to punch each other in the face? Or you said you wanted to knock me out. That's what smacking in the face mean. Obviously, I'm going in the octagon to smack, smack him in the face. I'm sure he wants to do the same. Or he wants to wrestle. I don't know. Well, there you have it. He's going into the octagon to smack him in the face. Bryce, what do you make of that? Oh, why not? Just uh, why not on a Sunday afternoon jump in an octagon and go smack someone in the face? But uh, yeah, I'm actually going to go and watch this. Yeah. I, uh, as I said earlier in the show, uh, not not up to date with the, the UFC um, largely, but uh, the the build up to this one, and uh, if if Volkanovski can can win this, he'll hold two two belts yeah, at, yeah, at the same time, which not many fighters have done have done in the past so this is significant for for our Aussie uh, Alex Volkanovsky yeah I don't think the general Australian public realize how big it is as far as an Australian sport event goes I mean Conor McGregor held the two belts and Volkanovsky's trying to do the same thing so it's huge he's facing a tough opponent in Islam who's an outstanding wrestler and he's no doubt at some stage going to pull him to the ground and what will be fascinating in this fight is to see how Volkanovski gets back up, if he can, which he has in the past, and how he breaks through the, the height differential to crack him in the head. So, Tommy, you're across this a little bit more than most. So just for the, the people listening that don't quite understand that, he's been fighting in a, a weight division mm. and he's going – he's the world champion in that weight division yep. and he's going up upper class, so has to – put on some weight to, to fight these heavier boys. Yes. Is that is that how it works? That's correct. So he's been fighting in the featherweight and just absolutely dominated um, everyone down there. And so lightweight, I mean, it's not, uh, it's basically a difference of 145 pounds up to the 155 pounds. Kilos? So Can you give us kilos? Kilos. I, look, at a <laughs> guess, you on the spot. you're putting me on a spot, but I think the 155 is around about the 72 kilo okay. mark. 
Uh, so not, you know, extremely heavy, but he's giving up a lot of height in um, Islam. He's, yeah, he's 10 centimetres, I think it is. So In height? In height, yeah. 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 Okay, cool. There you go. Just one uh, <laughs> off the text there. Save me there. Uh, fabulous. Yeah, so it's going to be a fascinating watch. It's a jump in weight class and uh, Australia's going to be right behind him. Also, the pre-fights, there's going to be a number of Aussies competing in the pre-fights, so one to watch. But uh, now, Bryce... You're right across the NBA, and I've made a commitment to um, get more involved and and watch a little bit more because I do love it. I love watching the tip toppity top of the basketball when it's on. Um, I don't know a great deal, but what's going on in this trade period with the NBA? So the trade deadline finished uh, 24 hours ago, and and like most trade deadlines, it's it gets left to the last day, and then yeah. uh, it uh, it's just an absolute mad rush. Teams getting trades done left right and center so i'm not gonna there was obviously a lot of trades done i'm not gonna get into all of them but i'm just gonna uh fill you in on some of the big ones uh the brooklyn nets have just absolutely blown their team up uh we know uh kyrie irving kevin durant have been the pillar of that side for the last couple of years and they're actually sitting fifth in the eastern conference final so right in the mix to play in the playoffs uh, and now they've just got rid of and traded their, their two uh, key uh, players in Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. So Kyrie Irving finds his way to Dallas uh, and Brooklyn receives Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Fiddy smith uh, the 2029 first-round pick and two future second-round picks. So we all know Kyrie's history. He's uh, mm. A lot of controversy follows him yeah. um, and it was a bit of a shock when he said uh, only a week or two ago that... He wanted to request a trade. So he finds himself with uh, Luka Doncic, uh, who is uh, obviously an MVP candidate. So the pairing of those two uh, makes Dallas extremely dangerous and Mm. will hold them in good stead leading into the playoffs. Uh, The Lakers uh, made some big moves as well, moving on Russell Westbrook. Uh, in a in a trade which involved the Jazz and the Timberwolves, uh, Los Angeles receive uh, D'Angelo Russell, who comes okay. back, who uh, LA drafted him. Uh, I think he was a pick two uh, four or five years ago. Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, it was a three-way trade. So Utah Jazz receive Russell Westbrook, uh, Tusco Anderson, Damian Jones, and a first-round pick. Minnesota receive Mike Conley, uh, Alexander Walker, and three second-round picks. So. Uh, there'd been a lot of talk around Russell Westbrook and, mm. and him not really gelling with the side. He, he went to the bench and, and come off the bench as a six-man, played a, a lot better than, than as a starter. So um, the LA Lakers, they obviously made a, a few more trades as well, but their squad looks a lot more uh, better, I think, so, now yeah. leading into uh, the, the playoffs. And they're, they're, still, they're not even in the playoff picture just yet. They, they've right. got a few games to win until they're, they're talking finals. Uh, and just the last one I will yeah. touch on is the Kevin Durant. Yes, Obviously, this is what I was going to ask. Phoenix um, with TJ Warren, uh, Brooklyn receive, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Joe Crowder, who were really good, solid depth players for, yeah. for Phoenix. Uh, and four unprotected first-round picks. Far so, out. Uh, three pretty solid players and four first-round picks. So uh, obviously giving up a lot is Phoenix, but uh, they don't give up any of their stars. So mm. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and, uh, and Chris Paul pairing with Kevin Durant makes a very, very scary proposition for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, this fascinates me, the way that they can trade away 
Four first round picks up to 2029, I think it was. Could you ever imagine the AFL? The AFL would never allow anything like that to um, happen down here. No, but even as ruthless as trading some of their players, I think Josh Hart from the Trailblazers was just warming up and the tip-off was about 10 minutes away and he right. got the tap on the shoulder and said, mate, you've just been traded to the New York Knicks. Um, you got to go to the locker room, pack your bag and take off. So there was vision of him finding yeah. out, going straight to his teammates, giving them a high five and saying... Sorry, boys, I'm out of here. I'm off to New York. Fascinating. There's a lot of those videos uh, on what we now call the internet uh, of, of those guys fi- finding out news that they've just been traded, particularly in baseball, while they're halfway through a game. Um, it's fascinating. But look, news just come through. Rory Sloan has given up to captaincy to Jordan Dawson. Jordan Dawson has uh, come out and said, I could not be more excited to captain the club I barracked for growing up as a kid. It was surreal to pull on the Guernsey last year, and now this is a huge honour. Everyone at this club wants to win and have success and do it as quickly as we can, so I'm honoured to have the responsibility of driving that. Okay, so that is exciting for Crows fans. Let us know what you think. Jordan Dawson is your new captain. Is he the guy you want to captain the club? Are you happy with Rory Sloan stepping aside? Bryce and I think it's probably the right call for Rory Sloan right now. Let us know on 0427 154 166. Coming up next, Bryce, we've got a movie review. Whoever I talk to, they're always, and myself, always asking what should we be watching at the cinemas. So we're going to cover a couple of movies up next. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Good morning. Welcome along Saturday. We've got a little bit to go, Bryce. Top of 25 degrees today. It's 20 minutes past 10. We've had a fascinating show touching on all things uh, cricket, the test in India. Right now, though, Bryce, the very serious topic uh, came across my desk this week of GWS youngster Jason Gilby only drinks milk as a drink. Now, I just got to ask you, surely the f- uh, fitness or science staff would step in here because how can you get away with only drinking milk? Surely he needs the proper electrolytes and other fluids. So it's no water? No water. No Powerade? No Hydrolyte? Nah. None of it. No, it's None like he's it. a baby. So he's wow. just drinking he's, milk. He'd have strong bones, wouldn't he? Get a bit of calcium into, yeah, into he his would. body. He would probably have a bit of phlegm as so, well. Is, are we talking like quarter time, the well, halfway through the first quarter, the, the trainer's running out to him on the ground and going, you need a, need a drink? Yep, no worries. He hands him a carton of milk. Is that what you're uh, saying? Apparently you so. He's saying that GWS have let him continue on with it which I find hard to believe because he's put on size. Now, this is him during the week he appeared on the project and uh, Jimmy Carr, world-famous comedian from uh, Britain, was uh, taken aback by this whole milk revelation. Why are you so obsessed with milk? Yeah, nah, I've, I've got that one a little bit, but it's just a, it's just a taste. It's just a taste thing, like a flavour, texture sort of thing. No, no other real reason other than it probably helps me put on a bit of weight. I think we've buried the lead on this story. I think the headline is... World's largest toddler also plays Aussie rules. <laughs> Can I ask a personal question, my young yeah, friend? Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. When did you, when did you stop yep. breastfeeding? <laughs> uh, Was there a transition I period? No, I don't. You don't know? Yeah, I think... Could, could, are you probably, still breastfeeding now? <laughs> No, I'm not anymore, but I'm not actually sure what age it was. 
There you go. Jason Gilby on the milk. It'll be fascinating watch throughout the year, Bryce, whether they transition him from the milks to uh, the waters and other liquids as we are currently doing with our two-year-old daughter, Joan, right now. <laughs> I'll tell you a bit of insight too. Uh, Matt Cruiser used to drink a lot of milk. Oh, really? Loved, loved his milk. Yeah. Would, would literally walk around with a, with a carton of milk in his hand. Bizarre. You know, they do it in America. They have fridges full of milk and dinner time, you sit down to have dinner where you or I might have a water or maybe a wine or a beer. They drink glasses full of milk Just at dinner it. time. Love the milk. Text the show anytime on the SENSA text line 0427 154 166. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, good morning to you. 27 minutes past 10 here on Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. We're here in SEN's SA Studio Lumo, 1 King William Street, and powered by Lumo Energy SA. Tommy, uh, been a big show. Yeah, it certainly has. Yeah, yeah, we've had a good time. Uh, fascinating dive into what's going on in India with Chad Sayers, and um, I'm going to be watching it later on today to see how it plays out and the deterioration of the pitch, which is obviously part and parcel with cricket and what happens, but the Indians are going to be looking to um, hang out uh, as long as they can so that that pitch can uh, deteriorate quick and um, really make it difficult for the Aussies. So we'll be, uh, draw is probably the best scenario we can get. Certainly will. And Alex Volkanovsky stepping up from the welterweight division into the lightweight division, Tommy. Yep. So that's going to be a, a big day tomorrow in uh, in the UFC world. So hopefully Alex can uh, do the nation proud and if he wins, he will achieve something that not many have achieved before him. Absolutely. It's a big step up. But look, people have doubted him before and he's rarely, if ever, let us down. So he's always uh, been able to fulfil his potential and he's a tough nut. So it'll be interesting once he's tackled to the mat and uh, in wrestle mode, whether he can get back up. That's where he's going to be a little bit vulnerable, Bryce. What's on for the rest of today for you, man? Uh, not a whole lot, to be honest, Tommy. Just a bit of a family day, I think. Uh, hopefully the weather um, stays nice, the sun comes out and might get out and about, go to the park and just... Uh Take the kids out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That sounds good, mate. I think I'm uh, I'm going to do much the same. I haven't seen much of my, <laughs> my kids this week, so I'm going to spend a bit of time with them and uh, definitely getting around Volkanovski for tomorrow in the test today. Also, Super Bowl tip Monday. Yes. Quick one. Uh, the Chiefs. Chiefs. I'll go uh, the Chiefs with you. Jay- uh, Jace is with Philly, I reckon. Okay. There we go. We'll put that in a capsule for producer Jason. See how he goes. Have a good weekend. Thank you for joining us and interacting. It's Tom Lyon, Bryce Gibbs, signing out for today.